When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 16 preview show as we're here on Christmas Eve Eve at the time of the recording, breaking down the upcoming matchup between our Bears and the Jacksonville Jaguars. One team fighting for a playoff spot, and another that's maybe wanting to retain that first overall pick. So this should be fun. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I'm very excited that you two are tuning in here today as we have a full and festive panel I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, but wait, there's more as Will Ingles. Some of you may remember him as Will, too. He is here as well, and for you, Mr. Ingles, it's great to see you again. I know you've been busy with the day job. Scheduling hasn't really worked out to have you as involved as I think all three of us would like to have on the podcast like you were in the past, but still, it's very awesome to have it at least work out this week. How's life, man, heading into uh, Christmas of 2020? You know, I've been working in news media. I work at a TV station. So business has been busy, to say the least. But you know what? You know, the Bears and just sports in general during this time, these last few months have been really great. And being able to see the Bears, you know, come back and at least make a, a some sort of playoff push has been a lovely distraction. So I'm happy to be back, happy to be talking Bears football, uh, regardless of who it is, regardless of if there's any tank for Trevor activity happening. Just happy to be doing this today. Yeah, we're glad to have you. And Nick, I know you and I, we are, uh, we're twinning today. We got some pretty slick Christmas sweaters from our friends over at Miller Lite, which is a nice surprise for both of us. And honestly, these sweaters are pretty dope. 
Oh, yeah, they are great. I'm I'm nice and cozy. In the, and it just makes you feel festive, too. Obviously, with Christmas Eve and Christmas just days away, um, it's a it's perfect for, for the setting and for this game preview. Yeah, it sure is. And I'll make sure to share. I think we need to share some images of these on social. That way, A, our sponsor knows. B, our followers can see these awesome ones because I know there are people listening to the show that maybe don't get that video component as well. So, if it's your thing to look at Nick and I in Christmas sweaters, maybe check out our Twitter and it perhaps it'll be there. A lot of variables uh, at stake there. But we have a game to talk about. Again, it's interesting because there are two teams on two opposite ends of the spectrum here as we enter the second to last week of the season. So Ingles, I want to go over to you first. Uh, how we've been beginning our preview shows is actually just by sharing nothing that we've been preparing for, but just what do you think of the Jaguars entering this week? Well, I think uh, we, we talked a little bit about this pre-show is uh, thinking about them this week is you're almost terrified that they're going to jet you like the way they did to the Rams. Uh, there's so much that you've built up over the past, you know, 14 weeks of play, 15 weeks of play. And you're like, they're not a threat. And then that all goes away when the Jets, <laughs> you know, come out and, uh, you know, beat a team that's very much in the playoff chase and honestly was kind of a favorite dark horse for a lot of people to come in and make some noise in the playoffs. So it's uh, it's you're cautiously optimistic heading into this week that, you know, that playoff push is going to continue. And as much as you're going to as much as I imagine all three of us are going to watch this game, it's going to be looking at uh, it's almost like we're going to be scoreboard watching the Arizona game. Yeah, and you also froze on the stream. I don't know if you can see that or not, but uh, you look, you're look you looking awesome there in your Christmas hat and looking off over <laughs> over to the side. I can hear you guys. I just can't. Uh, it's just still frozen. Hmm. Oh, I'm well. happy I'm almost smiling at least. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you'll pop back up. At least you're not a chipmunk, right, Nick? Yeah, you don't want that alternative, Will. I'm going to be completely honest. I, we can still hear each other and hear your insights, so that still works. But, Will, to give you – my initial perception of of the Jaguars, it's it's a team that look. I I know that teams aren't supposed to tank. Like they'll tell you every week. They ask in the interviews, like we're not tanking. Uh, we're looking to win these last two games. Like every team that's in that position to do so is looking to win these games. But looking how they played the last two weeks against the Ravens and and then even the Titans. Before- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. For that. Like, this looks like a team that really wants to tank for Trevor Lawrence now that they're in position to do so. And I look, I don't I think that's a, a fine position for them to get a franchise quarterback. But their play just doesn't it hasn't been um, anything to where even like the Bears, like they've been on a, what a hot streak offensively. I look at this Jaguars defense and this what this Bears offense is doing lately. They can take advantage of some things and we'll get into it. Will. so that's what I kind of think of the Jaguars. Yeah, um, Nick, I was telling you, like, I tuned into like the official Jaguars YouTube and they had a, their radio show going on, like the internal media. So like these are the people who are covering the team, who are paid from the team. They're talking about GM searches. They're talking about uh, 
weirdly a quarterback competition this week and one of the guys was like yeah like we're already it's already 2020 uh 2021 here in jacksonville so that's i think that it just shows you where the organizational focus is obviously you still can't take any team for granted in the nfl but it's hard not to at least from our vantage point does not completely look ahead to green bay but i don't see a lot of fight in the jaguars or really a lot of desire to win and again with the jets handing them such a a gift i don't know why you wouldn't and i i I chuckle because will froze again at the most awesome screenshot uh as well uh, which is quite remarkable but let's go ahead gents and move into our show and let's talk about this chicago bears offense with our weekly three and out segment and obviously the bears we can just say it off the top of the show they're a a better team than the jaguars jacksonville they're in the driver's seat again for that 2021 first overall pick still i don't know don't take them lightly go look around the league we talked about uh what the jets did to the rams the Bengals beat the steelers too with ryan finley under center and maybe they could have won it with Patrick Finley under center who knows maybe just throwing that out there but even though the Jaguars they have one win to their name they are going through like I said a weirdly a quarterback competition here week 16 that focus seems to be in 2021 the Bears even though they can't act like this game is a, a walkthrough even though they did make today's practice a walkthrough which is interesting but that's besides the point uh Nick when it looks, when you're just looking at these other teams, I don't know if there's any big lessons that you're drawing other than you know any given Sunday and don't look down on your opponent. But is there anything more regarding this from a general standpoint that you wanted to add on to? Yeah, I think with the thing with the Bears, look, they've had success against some some bad teams. Minnesota was their toughest test in this last three weeks, right? And they took they took advantage of what the Minnesota Vikings defense was giving them and offensively. But the Bears are not a team to where they can just revert back to what they were doing before Mitch Trubisky came in, before Bill Lazor found success, and just feel like, oh, if we mess up here on this drive and not score on this drive, we can still come out with a win. That's that. That's not the Bears. They don't have that much leeway. They, yes, they've been doing better as of late, but if you put together enough bad drives and your defense is out on the field, like we saw in that six-game losing streak, you're gonna you're gonna get what an upset from the jets or even how Cincinnati just beat down Pittsburgh that can easily happen. And I know like right now, just looking at it, the bears are the better team, no doubt. But if they play anything like they were doing in that six game losing streak, you're just asking for it. And like I was saying, like, I know teams don't like the tank, but like they'll take this win and get out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, but they'll also kick the bears out of the process of trying to make the playoffs. If they revert back to that, six game losing streak how they're playing collectively as a unit so cannot overlook this the bears know that but just wanted to put that out there i mean this is a jacksonville team that did take the vikings to overtime just three weeks ago obviously maybe their perspective changes based off of how last week played out for them nick i know you said teams don't like to tank maybe they just don't like saying they are planning upon something like that because that's not a positive message to put forward um but how about you will number two anything further on just this general uh talking point of not taking an opponent lightly especially even even the jaguars Right. I think the only thing I'd add, and I think Pat McAfee does a really good job of summing this up, is that, you know, players and coaches don't want to tank. You know, I, you know, just for perfect example, Adam Gase knows he's probably out of there at the end of the year. You know, what what good does it do if he, you know, loses out? Why, why does he want to help, you know, the Jets franchise? And every player on there 
at this point, you know, they have no promises that they're going to be on the team when this thing's turned around. You know, there's no promises that, you know, Trevor Lawrence, if he were to go to the Jets, would turn everything around. There's a good chance that a reckoning could happen on that roster before it happens. I mean, to use Chicago Bears lingo, when Mike Dick came in in 82, he basically said that most of that roster wasn't going to be there. You know, and I think that's going to be a case with both of these rosters that a lot of these players aren't going to be there for the turnaround. So while as a franchise, sure, they might want to posture and get towards that number one pick. But everyone who's going to be on that field and all those coaches that are going to be on the field have no incentive to go along for that tank. Really, really good point there, Will. And let's kind of move our focus to the Bears offense specifically for this week. When you're looking at this unit over the last few weeks, we've witnessed this unit really just take flight. It's starting to really roll now for this Bears offense. We're seeing strong play that's stemming from an improved rushing attack, and Trubisky's been able to be put in a position to play efficient football. They're going up against a defense that allows the third most points per game at 30.2, the most yards per game at a 418.2, and on top of that, when you look at their last three games, are actually allowing 430 yards per game throughout this month of December. So the Bears look like they should be primed to continue this success. Will, I want to go over to you first. Since we haven't really been able to have you on so far this season, I'm super interested just in your thoughts about the offense in general and its current state because I'm starting to buy in that this can be, uh, from a schematic standpoint, from an identity standpoint, something that they can build around uh, with this new offensive line, David Montgomery being heavily involved. And at least with Mitchell Trubisky, we have him under contract for another two games, putting him in a position uh, on the move and giving him some easier options, some easier reads. So I'm starting to buy in, but how about you? I'm really curious to your thoughts here. As Nick and I, we've been discussing for about a month, but what's your take of the Bears offense as it stands today? Well, I think ultimately this a lot of this moving in the pocket and a lot of this motion, to me, this looks exactly like what we saw in 2018 when the Bears were successful early on. It was a heavy run approach. I think the running the, the running the ball the last three weeks, four weeks, has been much more efficient. If you look at Jordan Howard, he's not even breaking four, four yards a carry when he had a lot of volume in 2018. Montgomery's been a little bit more efficient, but a lot of this kind of smoking mirrors, as uh, some people like to call it. I need to be really careful about the faces I make because it'll <laughs> my screen will play for about two seconds and then it'll freeze again. I need to be really careful at all times. I might get screenshot at the wrong time. <laughs> but, but when you're talking about this offense, I like what they're doing with Trubisky. This is clearly catering to his skill set the most. The problem that I think they might run into is, you know, when you run into good defenses and good schematic coaches, a lot of these plays need to cut the field in half when you're moving a quarterback out of the pocket. And the problem is when you cut the field in half, you cut the opportunity in half for your offense. You know, while it could deceive the defense in some ways, if you get a schematic coach that can really start to condense that field and really expect your defense, like when you see play action, start to slide because so often they are only playing to half the field. So I think that is something that we might see later on. This week, though, I just don't see defensive firepower for the Jacks to stop that. But I do think with a quarterback like Trubisky that I think at this point we have to say is a limited quarterback. He is not going to do Patrick Mahomes things. He's not going to do Aaron Rodgers things. He's a limited quarterback, and this gives him the best opportunity to be successful. So I support it. We might get bumps later on in the road when we, like I say, see those better defenses. But this is the best chance that it gives the offense. And at the end of the day, as coaches, that is your job to get yourself in the best position to succeed with the talent that you have on this roster. And it's it's a shame it took the Bears this long. Uh, I'm Nick. I know this off season we need to have real frank conversations about 
uh, their ability or inability to even assess talent on the roster. When you're looking at guys like Rashad Coward uh, playing over uh, an Alex Bars or a Sam Mustafer, again, like seeing some of these guys excel now really do make me question. I think that's something that we need to say for, say, the franchise episodes whenever the season ends. But getting back to this game specifically, Nick, I know you've been looking at the Bears offense and how they can take advantage of the Jaguars defense. And at least from my perspective, it stems into two branches. One, play action. And two, getting the tight ends evolved. So I'm curious to your thoughts, Nick, about how the Bears can utilize uh, these types of plays and really get that position group going this week after a week where the tight ends kind of got not dismissed, but they weren't as involved as they were maybe a couple weeks prior. Yeah, and Will said it perfectly with the Jaguars not having a lot of the defensive firepower and just the defensive playmakers on that side of the ball and some young guys like Caleb on chase on. So we're still really learning this NFL game. And I think what you saw from just last week at the Ravens, and obviously when you have Lamar Jackson, you have to account for the the counter bash schemes that they're going to run. So you have to account for the quarterback in the run game. But what the Bears have been doing as of late with these play action under center bootleg type plays and getting the defensive flow one way and then coming back the other way and finding first level, first, second, and third level reads and defined reads for Mitch Trubisky. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. I think you could see a lot of that just being implemented in this game. And who was it? Mark Andrews, the tight end for the, the Baltimore Ravens, had a pretty decent day. And just on seam routes down the middle of the field. And that's just a Jaguars defense. I think, one, maybe not being disciplined when they see this play action, but just allowing people to get behind them in the defense. And we've seen the Bears have success in terms of making the defense flow one way coming back the other on those play action bootleg passes and just finding that open guy and getting yards after the catch. So when it comes to the tight ends and Cole Komet playing all the snaps last week, didn't have the production, right? But this could be an opportunity where these linebackers for or the safeties, whoever's going to be tasked with, you know, trying to defend the tight ends for the bears, they could be out of place just because of what the direction that the bears are going or the misdirection that they're kind of presenting on any given play. And I think uh, if you guys haven't had a chance yet, listeners and whoever is watching, Stephen Ruiz from USA Today wrote a fantastic article about Trubisky and this play action. Like they're running this under center outside zone. Um, only four teams in the league have attempted more of those type of runs in the past since week 13. And since week 13, Trubisky has obviously been one of the better quarterbacks. And that's because of this under center play action bootleg type passes. It's just when they get out of that will and what Ingles was talking about earlier, that's where you see Trubisky's kind of limitations as a quarterback, but it's working for the bears and they're kind of using the same play over and over again. In that article from Steven Ruiz, they ran this type of this flood concept out of this play action boot more than like 40 times. It just different kind of variations of it, but that's just in the last three weeks, but it's working. So Hey, until they go up against a good defense, like I, I would expect them to keep using it. I see that going against the Jaguars defense, it should have success. I mean, over the last two weeks, Mitch has had a pass rating of 113.2 off those play fakes. So obviously it's something that is putting him in that position 
to succeed, as we've already mentioned, and it all stems from the Bears' ability to run the ball. And when I'm looking at the Jaguars guys and that defense, I feel like the Bears, if they can continue just with what they've done, they don't even have to adjust it too much to impose their will. They can easily do so against this Jaguars front, which I think just keeps the playbook open and allows, Nick, what you and I have been talking about in the show over the past couple of weeks where the Bears can have their own sense of identity and they can just put that against the defense and be like, all right, stop what we're trying to do instead of the other way around. And real quickly, let's get Will back. He's in, going back. So, yeah, that's my number one thing. And also, Nick, you're talking about tight ends, and you saw the game last week. I know when you look at the whole season, they haven't allowed a lot of yardage from tight ends. They've done a decent job of limiting that. But really where you see the Jaguars struggle containing these bigger players, it's in the red zone. They've allowed 11 touchdowns to tight ends so far this year, which is a big number. I don't know where it ranks in the league, but when I saw that and I was tracking it, that's a lot of touchdowns. I think the Bears actually allow the same amount on the entire season in terms of passing touchdowns from receivers of just tight ends in general for the Jaguars defense. Uh, that's a good stat to keep in mind this week. How about you, Mr. Ingles? Anything that you see from this Bears offense or this Jaguars defense uh, that you want to see kind of implemented this week so the Bears can continue to sustain some of this newfound momentum? Yeah, I started off by talking about I don't see a lot of firepower on this Jaguars defense, you know, and the, part of that is due to the injuries. You know, I think C.J. Henderson looks promising to start the year, uh, but the only guy with what I would say some juice to really, you know, create some problems for the Bears is Miles Jack. So that's probably the only person I would say. If there is one person I would scheme away from, that might be the guy. Uh, but other than that, I, there is just not a lot of pieces left on this Jaguars defense that I think warrants a lot of attention from the game plan side, at least. Run what run what works, and that's what they've been doing the last few weeks. Exactly, and which is running. Literally, run what works, which is running. Uh, which uh, I just wanted to throw that out there as well. Nick, anything for you remaining on this offense that you wanted to mention at this juncture of this episode? The only thing is that Mitch Trubisky has had this, we'll call it a hot streak, right? These past three weeks. I really expect that to continue against the Jaguars. I mean, we've mentioned it. They don't have the playmakers on that side of the ball on defense. And I don't think they're very disciplined when you're seeing whatever, whether it's a counter play in the, in the run game, like the, the Ravens do so often, not really the Bears type of play, but misdirection, getting defense flow one way. I just don't think right now they have the discipline and hey, Trevor Lawrence is is in their minds. I just know it. So hey, defensively, you might mess up, mess up a couple times. But I, I just see the success that the offense has had as of late, doing what they do, this identity that they have to really continue against the Jaguars. I expected a really good game from the offensive line. When I was watching film against uh, for the Jaguars against the Ravens, even the Titans, it was just there's no push. Guys are almost just kind of standing up pockets clean do what you want and heck even i think the titans their very first play from scrimmage was a was a flea flicker which of all things it's to me a little bit of shade of disrespect because like that takes a lot of time to develop and still toss it back to Tannehill. he had all day to make that throw so it's one of those like we said not a lot of the word we're using is firepower i'll stick with it and uh, let's go ahead and transition over to that chicago bears defense and i want to begin by asking a simple question is it better late than never? And I'm asking this in regards to Robert Quinn, who seems like he wants to play football now. Since the bye week, he has steadily progressed. I actually charted his pressure so far this season. In weeks 1 through 10, he had 14 total pressures. Since week 12, he's had 15 more pressures, which in that time span actually does tie for a team high with Khalil Mack. 
Now, still, Quinn, he's not generating the amount of sacks that we like to see. I know he had one a week ago, but he's starting to dial up the pressure. That was evident as well last week against the Vikings. And I actually, again, since Will hasn't been on all season, I just love to get some of this fresh input because uh, we haven't talked too much this year. What's your take on the whole Robert Quinn situation? I don't care if you want to go back earlier to the year till now, but you have to make sure you mention the now. Uh, when you mentioned uh, we were going over pre-show notes, uh, you said, are you buying it? And I, my exact response was, I wouldn't buy it for $70 million. Um, <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think at a point, and get, especially around that bi-week time, I, it was at a point where I was like, just put him on the sideline. What's he giving you? Like, let Mingo and just try to bring some people in. Let some young guys try to get in here and actually show if they have a spark or not. Now I'm much more on board with allowing kind of a steady rotation with him and some of these other guys. I think Mingo has deserved some more snaps. He has showed a little bit of spark and at the very least shows that he's competent. But I do think he has the ability to do this. Uh, I'm not exactly holding my breath on it. I, I am at this point, I guess, so shell-shocked with Quinn and being so disappointed over this this first half of the season. I'm hoping that he can sustain it because we're kind of stuck with him for a while. But I, I guess I'm just not confident that that can keep going and that momentum keeps going but like i said he's shown he can do it last year he had a really strong you know campaign and hopefully he can keep doing that uh, it's just man i've seen a lot of bad tape out of him so far yeah it, it's it's depressing uh when you look at 2020 and i know and all things and being honest it's been a bad year and i'm not trying to make light of that but it's just one of those things that continues like that. It's a real bad decision, and it's an expensive mistake on our part that we're going to have to deal with for at least another, what, season at minimum? And even then, you're going to have repercussions uh, for a year or so after that fact. So that's tough. But, Nick, I'll go to you. When you look at this week, can Robert Quinn keep it up? I saw that Minshew was sacked five times a week ago, so the pressure was able to hit home pretty well. And this reminds me kind of like the Texans' offensive line that we had ourselves a field day against. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm kind of expecting for this outing on Sunday between the Bears and the Jaguars. I just don't think the tackles there, there was a lot of times where they were just beat on inside moves, and the Ravens weren't really running any stunts or doing anything. They were just getting beat with what the, the Ravens are kind of bringing towards them. So what I saw from Robert Quinn actually last week is that he had that first step. That's what he was you know, advertises having that quick first step and just bending around the edge. And what you saw from him and when he got what I think it was a strip uh, sack fumble, um, he was fighting over um, the tackle, but then still worked his way around. So he had to loop around a little, but you still saw that effort that we haven't seen on some of the plays, like the fourth down run, uh, Matthew Stafford runs over Robert Quinn. You're like, where's the effort there? But I saw that last week against the Minnesota Vikings. And I think just with how these tackles have been playing and not, it's not that they're being confused with, with stunts or anything that the Ravens are doing. They just got straight up beat. And I like what Robert Quinn did last week. Can he, you know, build on that momentum? You hope so. He's being paid a lot to just not, you know, pressures. He needs to get sacks and that's what you're hoping can happen. But I think, just kind of talking about the pressure, I really like how Bilal Nichols is playing. I don't know if this – I don't even remember if this is in the show notes Will, when we were, like, game planning for this, but having him have the the past few weeks that he's had, that's really helped the pass rush because he has looked damn good as, as a pass rusher, and that's been, I think, a huge boost to this Bears defense. 
I was going to mention that if he didn't, so I'm glad he did. It's not just Nichols. Akeem Hicks, I know he's been quiet in terms of like tackles or tackles for a loss, and he hasn't been generating sacks, but he's been dialing up the pressure as well. He's ranking up there in terms of pressures made over the last few weeks. And whether you have Mario Edwards, which, again, who knows what that future holds, but a couple weeks ago he had a strong game. Last week John Jenkins stepped up, and he had himself a pretty good game as well. So that interior defensive line is – helping get the job done of help setting up some of these edge rushers like Quinn up for some more of that success when it comes to uh, getting after quarterbacks. I'm glad you mentioned that one, Nick. I want to transition, though, over to the secondary because the Bears, they're pretty thin at corner right now. Last week, they had to start Duke Shelley in the nickel, Kendall Vildor along the outside. And Nick, I think after a few days to digest that game, my assessment remains largely the same that you and I talked about on our postgame show where you know what? They did pass the test. I mean, that was a tough one. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. But I know they didn't get like an A+, plus, but they still passed. And I think that's something to really hang their hats on. And one, as a Bears fan, I will as well. But Ingles, I'm curious on uh, your thoughts about these two young guys and how they played. And honestly, just general thoughts about them potentially being building blocks for this defense. Well, when you talk about them being your starting two, uh, I'd say it's certainly not ideal. Uh, it's it's not what you want, especially when you have guys like Jalen Johnson showing so much potential. But I will say, like you said, they, they did prove to be somewhat viable. And what I would really love to see this week is you mentioned that the Jaguars struggle so much with uh, containing pressure. I'd really love to see Pagano d- just dial it in this week, send some pressures, let these young corners get some reps with receivers that aren't world breakers. DJ Shark has some jets, you know, Keelan Cole has shown some flashes in the past and Chenault's had a decent season, especially the last couple of weeks, but let these guys feel what it's like to be on an Island. Like, let's see what they can do in these pressure type of situations, especially with a quarterback that isn't as apt to destroy you for just the smallest laps in your coverage. This is a really good chance to get some good pressure reps when you're on an island where you're on that one-and-one or when you have only that one man, you know, skying you above. I think this is a really good chance to get those reps in because you're not going to get those live reps in a lot of different places. And I think this is a great opportunity for both these guys to really get some experience in this standpoint and hopefully build some confidence going forward. For sure. And Nick, for you, obviously, I know we're talking in DJ Shark with someone on your radar. If, say, Duke Shelley, Duke Shelley, geez, he's playing. If Jalen Johnson can't play, again, this is a problem when you have such a door going on past couple weeks at the position. If Jalen Johnson can't play and he was a DNP today, if they would have practiced, that was their estimate as the Bears put out there today with that shoulder injury. So if they can't go for a second straight week, what's your confidence in Vildor if he does have to take on like a DJ Shark? head on yeah i mean dj shark he had a couple good plays last week against the ravens and look the the jaguars did not have a good offensive day against the ravens it was a it was a blowout but you see shark kind of step up there with some some acrobatic catches and one-on-one opportunities and that's where kendall vildor is going to really have to show and credit to ingles like mentioning this those one-on-one reps and i think that the biggest thing that i really want to see out of even we'll we'll put um Duke Shelley into the conversation too is like the coverage bus. We saw that in the Adam Thielen wide open touchdown. Both guys go for one person. Adam Thielen is left in the back corner of the end zone wide open. We also saw with Duke Shelley and Eddie Jackson, the tight end for Houston was wide open. The sun got in the tight end's eyes. He can't catch it. So that's, I think, more so the biggest thing that I'm really looking for out of the young guys. If, you know, Kendall Vildor does have to start, it's just making sure. They're not doing someone else's job. They they make sure they they know what their place is in the defense. They're you, 
ex- executing it and not worrying about anybody else. I think that's where you can find these coverage busts or like if we, we also talked about will in, in the post game show, like builder had a really good play going. There's a guy in front of him. He doesn't get baited into it. He stays to his assignment and backs up and, you know, tries again the way of Kirk cousins pass. So that's what I want to see more of. If Vildor does start just doing his job, you'll limit mistakes. And I think you'll look good doing it. If you don't hear about Vildor or if he's making a good tackle, which both those young corners did good open field tackles. That's what you want to see. And I think if they just do their job, you'll see more of that. I think confidence, as we know, I mean, every position, you need confidence, but we know this is Bears fans. It, it sends to kickers too, um, but at corner too, if you're second guessing or you're doubting, you're just going to be that one second behind or you're not reacting as quickly as you need. And I didn't see much of that out of them. And I would just continue to want to see that confidence grow. And with Vildor now having you know, a game, a game and a quarter of experience out there, that should really help him. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Play a little faster, read things a little bit quicker, and if he does have to give it a go again this week, uh, I wouldn't expect him to have a huge drop off, but maybe more or less of the same, which, is, again, against the Jaguars should be more than enough to get the job done. Uh, even though they have a good receiver, who the heck knows what they're doing at quarterback this week, which may be uh, the bigger topic, or at least the bigger concern for Jacksonville, because they tried, they can't get Trevor yet, they have to wait till next year. Just letting you know. All right. Looking a little deeper into the Jaguars offense and the challenges that, and I'm trying not to be rude, but I'm trying to use the word challenges and I try to not laugh, quote challenges uh, that they may post this Bears defense this week. Nick, after the Bears run defense continued what I'm calling maddening inconsistency uh, last week against Dalvin Cook, what are your thoughts on the rookie running back, James Robinson? I know he's dealing with an ankle, but he expects to play. He has 10 touchdowns on the year. He's a dual threat back. He ranks ninth in the position in receiving yards as well with 344 and sixth in yards after the catch. Yeah, he's he's a pro, he's the one guy that you really got to account for as a, a defense. And he's, look, obviously being an undrafted guy and just coming in there being what he was for the Jaguars offense has been great for them. And the touchdown that he had against the Ravens last week, he's running a wheel route down the right sideline, getting behind, you know, the defenders and making a decent catch. And that's something that, you know, if that's a Danny Trevathan in coverage, we've seen, you know, spotty at times. You don't want that to be the case where James Robinson's, um, you know, hurting you on what a, whether it's the receiving game or obviously on the ground. And he that ankle injury hopefully does slow him down. I think we said right before we went live, you know, I wish he wasn't playing. And we'll see if he actually does play on Sunday. But he's a guy you got to account for. And the yards after contact, the receiving game, he's a complete back. And a little bit of a surprise just be, obviously being an undrafted player. But we've seen this Bears defense consistently be inconsistent in the run defense. So will that, which, which run defense are we going to get on Sunday is what I'm really maybe worried about because we talk about individual efforts from like a Bilal Nichols or John Jenkins, Akeem Hicks, but it takes a whole defense to really be sound gap integrity to have that sound gap integrity. So you don't have these bigger runs happen. Right. So 
I, I don't know what to expect in terms of what the Jaguars may or may not be able to do in the run game because I don't know what defense we're actually going to get because it's so inconsistent. It is. I mean, we all know the mistakes I make every time I give them the edge, of which luckily I think you have that one today, so I don't have to have uh, the pressure of uh, making the wrong designation like I feel like I've done all season. Um, but Ingles, I believe you actually are more familiar with Robinson than uh, both Nick and myself. Yeah, so I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, for those of you that uh, didn't get to hear my backstory throughout the past few years on this podcast, but uh, he went to Rockford Lutheran. Him and I are the same graduating class of high school, so I went to a different school, but he played high school football 10 minutes away from where I was playing high school football, and I mean, the dude has just always been a bell cow. I mean, he carried teams uh, to a point where in high school, he had he had his offenses up uh, and his team up by 70 points and he was sitting for the second half at a lot of games. I and mean, the dude's just always been a bell cow. You know, he went four years at Illinois state and he was a bell cow there. And that's the thing is if he's in, I, I'm sure that if there was an over under set on my mentions of Jordan Howard on this podcast, it probably would be pretty low, but I'm single-handedly going to be pushing this over for bears fans. This, this is what uh, the 2016 bears where Jordan Howard was everything you had. This is what, the Jaguars are going to have where the offense goes the way that uh, James Robinson will go this week. And really, I know this game was 2017, but there are games that James Robinson can really take over. And I know it was a team effort that got them their lone win of the season against Indiana, but it was really James Robinson, you know, being that spark plug in a lot of ways. And, and I, I harken back to 2017 against the Pittsburgh Steelers where Jordan Howard just basically put the team on his back with Mike Glennon being Mike Glennon. Uh, and even though there was an injury to Jordan Howard that game with an AC joint, you know, he still ran through that entire team and basically won the game. So I really think that this team goes the way that James Robinson does. And he is definitely a, a threat because like Nick mentioned, he is a complete guy. And even if he is hurt, man, he is a warrior and he knows how to play with a lot of carries on his shoulders. Speaking of Jordan Howard, and this is the last one, hopefully, for this whole podcast. But when I was looking up running back receiving statistics and I sorted by yards, I accidentally double-clicked, which, you know, gives you the lowest numbers first. He actually, Howard does, has the least amount of receiving yards in the entire NFL for all running backs on the entire season with negative three. Just wanted to throw it out there. I saw that. Wasn't going to mention it, but since he wanted to keep beating in Jordan Howard on the show. But he's worked on his catching so much. That's what they told us. <laughs> That, that's true. And he caught the ball, but he got tackled for a loss. And that was it for him uh, on the entire season. David Montgomery, by the way, sixth in the NFL, uh, tied with Dalvin Cook uh, for receiving yards from running backs. So for a guy that usually hey, he's been having to pick up a little bit of that Tariq Cohen slack without him, I think he's doing a pretty damn good job as well. And a little bit of a side, but how about you, Will? I'm curious, uh, before we move on to special teams, anything else that you're either going to be paying attention to on the Bears' defense, or is there anything else from the Jaguars' offense that you believe is uh, worth mentioning here at this point? You guys touched on this a lot, so I'll make it pretty brief, but that run defense just really needs to get it together. If you're going to make a run in the playoffs, your run defense has to get it together. I mean, the, a really great example is the 2006 Super Bowl winning uh, Indianapolis Colts. I know we don't want to talk about that team, but that's a team that could not stop the run all year. And in fact, against Jacksonville, they gave up like a 215-yard rushing performance. So, I mean, that is something if you really want to be a playoff team, you have to stop the run. And uh, that really is a good test this week. I know that the Jags don't have a whole lot to throw at us, 
but you got to stop James Robinson if you want to stop, you know, the Jags and keep your playoff push going. All right, let's move on to special team topic of the week. Nick, what is it? I have no idea. Yeah, actually, there's there's things to look into for this one with the Jaguars specifically. They had to put Logan Cook, their punter, on the code reserve list, and they had a kicker. Uh, Aldrich Rosas had to punt and in the game against the Ravens completely just drops the ball like it's right there it's not too high or anything still gets a punt off which is kind of impressive but they did bring in or sign a another punter I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I'll just butcher this but his first name is Cameron which is nice and easy Easy. to say he was on their practice squad Um, so got to watch to see what what the punt game is like and we know that last game and we didn't see many many opportunities for anthony miller but he was the designated punt returner last week in minnesota so that's just something to keep an eye on and obviously we'll say this and we're because we have two regular season games left um uh look i think right now the mvb if we were to like end it right um it has to go to our kicker like i know that's crazy to say right but the streak is i believe is 20 26 if, if i'm not mistaken for robbie gold and 22 is is that right will if mm-hmm. I, i'm messing up on but we, we just got to see if the streak continues and um if that happens we the bears can say they actually have a kicker and that would be fantastic to say but that's all i really have on special teams cordell patterson also had a I guess according to Ian Rappaport, almost you know missed a significant knee injury, but we obviously saw him play later in the game. But other than that, on special teams, that's all I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Yeah, that's all. You know, that that's it. Not 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 huge. And also, what a cop out is that, right, Will? And you have two guys that can back you up here, uh, and you don't have to direct it one way or the other. So what a cop out in your end, but it's okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I believe the streak's 22. That's what my notepad still says from our. I actually have the notes open. For some reason, the same sheet that we had for the the live reaction show, and I wrote down 22 and I circled it. So I believe, if I remember why I wrote that down, uh, that's indeed the number. (laughs) Um, But I'm excited to see if he can continue to get that chase. I think I'm maybe a little bit uh, selfish where I would prefer touchdowns if we can get into opposing territory to kind of end the year. But if we have a few field goal opportunities, uh, let's make sure we uh, make the most of them. All right, I'm not going to harp on special teams any further than that. Let's move into, uh, of course, real quickly, it's time to do our shout-outs that we do each and every week. So, Nick, I know I have one, which is our shared one that we need to do. Um, Do you have any other shout-outs for the week? Yeah, so we got a donation from Scott Sanford from Highland, Indiana. Do you know where that's at, Will? Is that close to you? Highland, Indiana, That's it's closer to you than it is me. Uh, it's right oh. across the border. Uh, yeah, right by. I actually lived in Highland when I was a child. I played t-ball there. Geography gotcha, well, sure Scott. is something. Yeah, it sure is. So Scott sent us a donation. He's also been a fan since, and I'm going to say it, the Bears Bros, which is awesome. So Scott, thank you so much for the donation. Really means a lot. And yeah, well, I don't know how we want to do this, but Mason West is, is a badass, an amazing person. Yes, a badass, an amazing person. Uh, sent us a donation through PayPal and Venmo. And if you don't know about him, and I'm sure you do because I've said his name so many times because of all the donations and, you know, coming on the podcast to provide that insight that, you know, Will and I just, we couldn't because he has the expertise and just rehabilitation and he's in Barrington, Illinois. So if you have some aching pains, like I'm sure everybody does, 
you just go check him out because Mason knows his stuff will get you to where you want to be, whether you're, uh, you know, a collegiate athlete or just looking to play a pickup game of basketball. Uh, I know it doesn't look the same now with COVID, but still he can get you right. And that's, what's most important. So you can contact Mason at 224-512-7200 or check him out on Instagram at dr.masonwest underscore sports PT. And like I said, if you're looking to, get whatever it is that you're dealing with fixed. He's a guy to go to. And he's also just a, a, like Will said, a complete badass and awesome person. Happy holidays to you, Mason. You're amazing. He really is. Uh, number one, his last donation got us over to the threshold so I can get a green screen. So now we both have one. I was very humbled last night and I was actually, I did a test with Mason because he's going to join us for our live reaction show this week. And which is an awesome additional, uh, not benefit of donating, but he's on the show for other things and he just wanted to join. But the green screen is back there for everyone watching and wondering why I'm not using it. I was very humbled because I tried it last night with the kid. He wanted to do a Minecraft background. And apparently with green screens, lighting is very critical and it's super sensitive and it was very grainy. So I'm working on that. Nick saw me in Hawaii earlier today uh, as we're doing some testing, and we're getting closer. Um, so very excited to kind of continue working on it behind the scenes, and to unveil it here uh, very soon. Um, but like, this is a great example, though, Nick, as to what some donations can do for us and enabling us to continue to grow not just the podcast, but the live stream element. And I know you and I, when we're looking at the show and really the Chicago Audible's brand in the future, Video elements is going to be a big key of this, and I know we're both very excited about what we can do with those. Um, so thank you again, Mason, and just letting everyone know for the importance. But Nick, you want to let people know uh, if they want to donate here throughout this holiday week, and again, no pressure. I know it's Christmas time, uh, but how they can do so and to get a shout out on next week, the final regular season preview. And yes, I use the word regular season purposely. Yeah, no, it's good that you did that, Will. But yeah, if you want to get a shout out on the next podcast, here's how you can make that happen through Venmo or PayPal. Will and I will gratefully accept any donations that you guys can give. And on Venmo, the handles at the Chicago Audible on PayPal. It's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Like Will was saying, these donations go to, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's equipment, software, um, just to help us make this page this this brand as great as possible for all you bears fans that tune in every week whether it's on youtube or just listening to the podcast that's what those donations go to so uh, and we really thank everyone that's donated in the past and will continue to donate in the future but again on venmo it's at the chicago audible should see my name in the chicago audible logo and on paypal it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash paypal all right, let's get back to the task at hand, and that is, of course, looking at this Bears-Jaguars game here, Week 16, and it's time, as it always is, to look at our back-breaking matchups of the week. Will, doesn't that name kind of sound familiar, almost like I ripped it from someone? Just maybe. Maybe. Just so, maybe. So, yeah, for people who have been listening forever, Will, uh, when he had a little bit more bandwidth in uh, his day life, he was able to uh, do a weekly matchups episode for us, and he always designated the biggest one as the backbreaker, which I love so much. That's what we brought it to this week or this year's preview show. So, Will, I'm actually going to let you go first because you can spoil both Nick and myself wow. because, Nick, for your purposes, I told Will he can choose offense or defense. I didn't give him a designation, and I didn't tell him what mine was for mine. So, Will, what's going to be your number one overall backbreaking matchup this week? 
well, I will let the Bears defense go as a whole collectively, and it's going to be against James Robinson. So the Jaguars might break their back before the game starts. Um, but <laughs> but that's really what I think this game boils down to. And I'll talk about kind of how it sways my confidence meter, depending on how this injury story goes throughout the week. But that is my backbreaker of the week. He is the Jordan Howard. I've just got to, got to put one more in there because I don't think we're going to get to say his name anymore. But uh, he is he is really that guy in my eyes that can change the com- the complexion of this game. He really is, and that's why it was my defensive backbreaker matchup. I did Roquan Smith versus. I knew I knew this was going to happen. I mean, again, we're smart guys, and we can come to the conclusion. We can look at that Jaguars offense and know. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. I called him in my notes. Uh, He's the power. He's the outlet. Without him... There isn't really much of an offense. He has 800 more yards than the next Jaguar. He's obviously a big key, a big component, and that's why he's pushing to play as strongly as he is so far this week. And the reason why I did Roquan Smith is because he had a couple of really good plays last week, but I thought the Vikings did a good job of getting him out of position, putting some traffic in his way, getting some blockers in front of him, and kind of neutralizing him when they did hand it off to Dalvin Cook. And we do need to see... Obviously, that changed this week. We need to see Roquan, sideline to sideline Roquan, in between the tackles, firing downhill type of Roquan instead of having to fight through a lot of blocks. And the Vikings did a good job. I believe the Jaguars look to try to replicate it. So that's why it's my key. And on top of that, we talked about him as a receiver. He does rank third in the NFL in rushing yards as well, fifth in receptions, and he's also ninth of all backs in receiving yards. So again, he's going to be the guy. And if Roquan has himself a day, he should be pretty much neutralized. So, Will, uh, we are thinking alike. But, Nick, no pressure now because you obviously you have the lone offensive backbreaker. What's that going to be? Yeah, so when I'm looking at this Bears offense, obviously they've had a lot of success over the weeks. And I think the offensive line has played a really big part into that. So I'm looking at this Jaguars defense and who who could prob- provide a spark for them. Miles Jack is definitely a guy, but I looked at the defensive lineman or defensive end, Dwayne Smoot from, you know, former Illinois uh, fighting a line eye there, but he leads a team with five and a half sacks. And when you go back to the game where the Jaguars actually competitive and that overtime loss to the Minnesota Vikings, he had two, two sacks in that game. It was able to get some interior pressure on Kirk cousins. And this is a guy that's, you know, taking advantage of maybe a Charles Leno jr. And a Fetty who, Got they've played better as of late, but if they revert back to their old selves, that could be a problem. And we know what the Bears are doing these play action bootlegs trying to move the pocket. Well, are the Jaguars going to maybe pick up on that? I don't really think so, but Dwayne Smoot might be a guy that you have to just account for, know where he's at. And he lines up on the left and right side, primarily on the defense's right. So going against Charles Leno Jr. for I think majority of this game, but versatile we'll put the Jaguars and put them on both sides so that's a guy that I'm looking out for but Miles Jack's another one to really look uh for this Jaguars defense in terms of playmakers those are two that I'm going to be keeping an eye on but I'll put my offensive backbreaker it's going to be Charles Leno Jr. versus Dwayne Smoot whoever wins that matchup not to say it's going to dictate what the Bears do offensively they can mitigate 
for you know rolling out the opposite way if they have to but that's just one i'm keeping an eye on all right again it's was that difficult nick you can be honest was it difficult to find a back-breaking matchup for the offense i had an idea where i wanted to go but they they didn't give me a lot of options i'll say that for the jaguars was it more of the jaguars strength or the bears weakness i'm just honestly curious yeah i think it was more so well with this was a weakness for the bears earlier on in the season but they've been playing so well that like well what if they go back to their old selves like this is one of those trap games they could be it could be so if they go back to that version what was really failing in that losing streak the offensive line so that's how i kind of looked at it understood all right appreciate that extra insight and it's time to move on to find out who has the edge and Ingles, you are up first actually i'm gonna kind of change this on the fly i want to do something a little bit differently and i want we're gonna tag team it will you and i get a share a couple you don't even get to prepare for one of them i think you're smart enough to figure it out so we have and yes we have the bears rushing attack versus that jaguars run defense are we both in agreement that the bears have the edge here Yes, uh, we will break the Jaguars back uh, per Nick's pick. (laughs) So when you're looking at this Bears offense, David Montgomery, 571 yards over his last four games, 434 of which came on the ground. Offensive line with that revamped grouping. I don't even know if it's revamped anymore. It's just what we've seen now for the past month. They keep paving the way. I don't expect the Jaguars, uh, just for everyone's purposes, they allow the third most yards on the ground per game at 147 and 4.6 yards per carry to really provide much resistance. Teams, they run the ball on them a lot. Obviously, teams have had to lead on them a lot, so that's why that's going to be skewed as well. But I would expect the same this week, and the Bears should be effective on the ground again. So, Will, for you, if the Bears have the edge, how many rushes do you think David Montgomery will get in this game? Obviously, he's coming off a career high by a large chunk, um, but do you see that being about the same, or would you envision it to kind of get shifted away, at least somewhat? Man, it's it's so hard, because Nagy loves to give the ball to so many people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's just like, I I could say like 25, and then Cordell Patterson comes and just (laughs) just steps all over me. I, I know he has some injury stuff of zone but who knows i mean ryan all could come in here and all of a sudden get five carries just because that's how Nagy likes to play things sometimes but i put it around the 22 23 area for me i think at this point all right anything else in terms of why the bears have the edge that i didn't mention or we haven't talked about it at one point yet no that's pretty much it montgomery just has a mean streak in him right now he sure does and it's been a lot of fun to watch it's been a, a real joy Nick, over to you. Speaking of joys, Bears passing attack versus that Jaguars pass defense. Look, I think if as long as the Bears run this play-action bootleg game that's been working the past three weeks, they'll have success. Mitch Trubisky may, may not put up the biggest numbers uh, in terms of yards or even touchdowns, but it'll be efficient. That's what we've seen from, from this Bears offense, and we've talked about it early on in this podcast and throughout. The Jaguars just don't have a lot of guys out there right now that can make a lot of plays. They don't cause a lot of turnovers. There's just not – I don't know if it's if it's inspired football that may be the thing that they're playing for, but it just doesn't seem like that way the past two weeks in terms of the blowouts to the Ravens and, and the Titans. Playoff, you know, teams in the playoff hunt, right, or just playoff teams in general. So I think the Bears easily have the edge here, and that seems weird to say. The Bears' passing attack has the edge over somebody, but – it's a Jaguars te- defense, Jaguars team that's not playing really good football. So I'm going to have to give it to the Bears. We gave them the edge last week, so I knew that wasn't changing. Uh, Nick, my question for you on this one is, what's the chances that on the offensive whiteboard, 
their motto of the week is boot from smoot. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it could be. Will is in disagreement, though. But uh, yes, it, it. I maybe maybe that's on the whiteboard this week. Will <laughs> if someone came in and was their audition for defensive coordinator was like, I got this great game plan against the Jaguars, and they said boot from Smoot, I would kick them out of that building so fast. <laughs> great. Uh, I know who is not going to interview me for my upcoming defensive coordinator job. <laughs> Luckily, Will, when I coach middle school football, I'm the offensive guy. We had two first downs all year. We're not talking about that. That's not what I'm here to talk about. That was uh, out of my control. 14 kids on one football team is a tough, tough thing to coach. Fun fact. Moving forward here, Nick, you're back up, though, uh, for the Bears rushing defense. Thank God I don't have that one versus that Jaguars rushing attack. And obviously, we don't know what's going on uh, with their backfield. Yeah, I think this one, this could be, I mean, it's a conflicting one for me because I think if the Bears offense puts this game out of reach early, like what has happened the past two weeks for the Jaguars, they almost have to abandon the run. And not not to where like Robinson or yeah, Robinson's not a part of the Jaguars game plan, but it seems like that could be the case early on if the Bears offense is able to take advantage. You kind of take away that element of rushing the football. But we've seen it, Will, where it doesn't really even matter. Like teams will find success and just do it um, strategically when when they want to run the football and where what side they want to run it to, that they will pick up yards. It will look in terms of the average yards per carry will be in that opponent's favor. But I will give it to the Bears. I think they find something. They obviously know. They know that they their this is um, their playoff hopes are on the line. They have to play better in the run defense or you know that's not going to give them the best chance of you know going um with these consecutive wins for these last two weeks but i give it to the bears and now i know if if they give up or the jaguars have an amazing day you know rushing the football and it's just it's fate like whoever has it that week it's going to happen that team's going to have a good day on the ground it's been They've been porous over the past few weeks uh, in terms of their run defense. Luckily, though, I do believe they play worse the weeks that I have to determine if they have the edge or not. So at least for our listeners and for our sake, this should be a pretty good sign that it was your week. Maybe we need to allow it to be your week the last week of the season as well. I would definitely defer uh, if we need to go ahead and make that executive decision here. Something to consider as we kind of go through this remaining week. Um, But the final edge we need to do is the Bears pass defense versus that Jaguars passing attack that they're splitting reps at quarterback this week. So, Will, I don't think I need to say it. How about you? Who has the edge and why? If you don't know who your quarterback is, I'm not giving you the edge. (laughs) Precisely. Exactly. Bears pass defense. Jalen Johnson or not, they're going to have the edge here. And again, splitting reps at quarterback, that's not ideal at this stage of the game. And Jacksonville, they allowed nearly three sacks per game, which ranks about 25th in the NFL. And like I mentioned, too, they allowed five sacks a week ago uh, as well. And they've also had three different quarterbacks play this year, and they're splitting reps. So, like, the flow is just not there. There's not any cohesion. There's no rhythm. And I can't really envision a scenario where any quarterback – out of Jacksonville this week will, quote, light up this defense. So I'm going to give the Bears the edge here. Ingles, anything to add on top of that? The disrespect to Mike Lennon, man. we got to be careful. I know. You're right. You're, you're really right. Don't uh, don't put it out there too much. But, all right, 
Finally, it's time to get to our game predictions this week, and we always begin with our bold prediction. So let's go to Will first because he's guest honors, I guess, today. What's going to be your week 16? I can't believe it's already week 16. Bold prediction. When the games matter, your stars step up. Matt gets two sacks on the day. All right. I like that. Is it, Will, are you frustrated that that's a bold prediction? Uh, yes and no. I think over the, the past year and a half, I think we've really seen that, you know, pass rush is just a really not fickle thing, but a hard thing to track in just terms of sacks. I know obviously we want it to be that way. Obviously sacks are just an impact play right away uh, that we can track, but I, the impact of Mac, I think is absolutely paramount. And I know that the numbers don't back it up. And when it comes to just looking at the sack category, but uh, he does make a huge def- difference for this defense. Uh, so is it upsetting that you you pay a guy so much and you invest so much in him and he's not getting two sacks a game? Yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer, but I'm not disappointed with what he's brought as far as what his play is concerned in 2020. All right. And Nick, over to you, your bold prediction. You're going offense or defense, man. I'm going defense and almost similar to, to Will there, but collectively this I think this defense can get seven sacks similar to what they did against Houston. They gave up five sacks last week to the Ravens. And instead of Matt getting two, he may get two, uh, you know, in the seven that I'm thinking of, but I think Robert Quinn will get two in this bold prediction. That I have here. So seven, they'll match what they did against Houston do two better than the Ravens did last week. And Robert Quinn, who has showed some life will have two of them himself on Sunday. I don't know why we're in a uh, in sack mode, but I had eight sacks down for the defense, and that was split between two different quarterbacks. So I don't know why I was there. I did have a backup one in case, so I'm glad I did. Uh, I have Montgomery goes off for 200 yards rushing. Uh, that's my second one uh, that I have here on my list. I actually have four. Let's just throw them all out there. Why not? I have Allen Robinson getting three touchdowns because it's his revenge game. And I also have out of those eight sack day, three of them coming from below nickel. So I just, I just had fun. Again, when you win a few games, playoffs hopes are still in front of you. You, you have fun. So I, there's Give multiple bolts. Like Oprah over here, man. <laughs> <laughs> you have a sack. And you, oh, that, that sounds bad. Don't do that. Oh, yeah, Santa's gifts in a, in a sack. All right. So we'll leave that this, to Santa. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Tremendously. That's how we're going to transition out of this into predicting who is going to end up being the MVB. And unfortunately, I kept the bold prediction graphic up there as well. There it goes. Producing and hosting. Sometimes you goof up. But Nick, how about you? I'll let you go first. Who's going to be the MVB when it's all said and done? Yeah, I think it's going to be David Montgomery. He, No one stopped him as of late. And just how he's playing with getting those yards after contact and what the bears are doing just on the offensive line to create these holds for him. He's set up to have another big day. And you mentioned like the bold prediction of Montgomery going for 200 yards. Derrick Henry actually did that 215 just That's two weeks came ago from. and two touchdowns. So I, you know, I obviously had a career high in carries last week against the Vikings and also yards. David Montgomery has been on a tear. No one's been able to stop him, but I think once this game is over with on Sunday, uh, David Montgomery will be that MVP. Really cool. I like it a lot. I went offense as well. I went with Allen Robinson again. Again, I really like this revenge game. 
uh, frame that you can put it on and knowing the type of uh, player Robinson is, you just know that that chip in the shoulder, it's going to be large this week. He has 206 yards in his last two games, 72 of those coming after the catch. If you look back at the last month, he's had at least 74 yards in every single game since the bye week. Jacksonville, they've allowed the most passing touchdowns in the NFL with 31. And again, you know he's hungry to show out against that former team. So Allen Robinson will be the MVP. He'll lead the team with first down games through the air. He'll have another 100-yard game, which will be the fourth of the season for him, by the way. And he's going to have two scores. So for me, I know it's a little less than my bold prediction, but that's why it's the bold prediction. This is the realistic one. Uh, That's the type of day uh, we'll see from A-Rob, and he'll be the MVP. Ingles, how about you? Are you going to continue the offensive train here with MVBs, or are you switching things up? I will, but I'm adding another car, and this one's going to do Darnell Mooney. I think he – we haven't had his coming uh, – he's had some good games, but his coming out party I think is going to be this week. If you ask me, Jacksonville's going to say, we're going to let anybody beat us but Allen Robinson. When you drop back to pass, who's Mr. Trubisky looking at? It's Allen Robinson. We're going to make someone else beat us, and I do think that Nagy's going to get some scheme open for – Mr. Mooney, and I, that's why he's getting my MVP this week. I think he's going to have a stellar day. I like that word, stellar. I need to add that to my repertoire here on the podcast just a little bit more. But all right, it's time to do some of our game picks for all you watching at home and keeping track. You already know, Nick and I, we're tied at 9 and 5. Loser has to do uh, wear all the NFC North gear besides the Bears. Go to around Chicago, look like a look like a goof, and right now we're tied. And luckily, I was able to get my game back a couple weeks ago. For some weird reason, Nick, I don't think this is a game where any of us are going to go in one uh, different direction opposed to the other. Unless, how about this? I can choose the Bears, and I'll let you have the Jaguars, and then we can see how it kind of plays out from there. No, I no, that's not this is not going to happen. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we're all probably. On the, on the same boat here, thinking that the Bears should win this game. I think they'll honestly win it convincingly, you guys. I know this could be – you don't want to end up like like the, the Rams or the Steelers, but I think the Bears do take care of business. And this Jaguars offense hasn't been able to score the last two weeks. 14 points against the Ravens and a 40-14 to 14 blowout. 10 points in the 31-10 to 10 blowout against the Titans a week before that. I think that's where it's looking similarly to to this game. And I think the Bears put up another 30 points, just a 30-point barrage from this Bears offense. So 30 to 13 Bears. Ooh, so close to mine. I have the Bears winning 34 to 13. Uh, just like you, Nick. I mean, it's we're just we talk about this whole game. It, there's not a lot of resistance on the other side of the ball. And when you look at the Jaguars, they've only allowed less than 27 points twice all year, and one of those came in Week One. On top of that, too, uh, this offense should just continue rolling. Defense should be able to take care of business. And the Bears are the better team. Jacksonville is the worst team. They have a, and the Bears, being the better team, they have a lot to play for. Jacksonville, as the worst team, they have a lot to lose for. And I think that's a lot to uh, really a good mindset as we go through the week for the tank for Trevor mantra that you're going to be hearing out of Jacksonville. Still, don't take them lightly. Uh, but I do envision this game kind of playing out very similar to the Texans game, if we're looking at one this season to kind of point to. How about you, Will? You're going to go Jacksonville, though, right? You can't. We can't be one of those shows that go all the way across. Bears, Bears, Bears. We know what happens when things go like that. Well, then you should have had somebody else as your third person. <laughs> uh, 
I'm taking Bears 27-7. Uh, I break the streak of 30-point games, but I just don't – I'm not sure if the game script to go that way. I think we'll start out maybe a little bit disappointed early. I feel like this might be one that they come out a little bit flat, knowing the way that the game script could go and knowing the kind of stakes of the game. But overall, I don't know if it's a defensive score or defensive big play that can uh, kind of spark this moving forward. But I do see this game getting out of hand for the Jaguars towards the end. One thing that's interesting to me – and they haven't had many games like this. There should be fans in attendance. And we, I'm sure there'll be a decent of those being Bears fans. Just how we travel, how the two teams are set up for this one. So maybe they'll get a little crowd. Again, it's not going to be a huge crowd, but maybe some of that actual energy that's real, that vibe of having real people in attendance cheering you on. And maybe that can help combat, as you mentioned, Will, the potential of coming out flat against a lesser opponent. Because anything to help, that uh, I will definitely welcome at this stage of the game. But Ingles, over to you. What's your confidence meter, uh, scale 1 to 10, uh, that the Bears will win? And since you have them winning, the rule is it has to be at least over a 5 then. Yeah, my confidence meter is at an 8. It's a 9 if Mr. Robinson is ruled out for the game. Oh, they're Robinson. I was freaking out. I was like, what am I missing? Yeah, I, was <laughs> I was like, wait a James minute. Robinson, yeah. yeah Sorry, I was like, I've, hold too, the too phone. acquainted with uh, James Robinson and covering him uh, for as long as I have. So my apologies. J-Rob, not A-Rob. That is correct. Understood. So we're at an eight or a nine. Nick, how about you? Where are you at? I'm at a 9.2, Will. Like, I, I don't know if this is just ooh, confidence, but the Bears, like, like you guys have said, they're the better team. There's not a lot of playmakers just on the Jaguars right now and a lot to lose for. I like I liked how you phrased that, Will. They do have a lot to lose for, and that's the reality of the situation. But I think the Bears just take care of business. So at 9.2, they're going to win this game convincingly. Mm, so you're going with the Brent Urban, otherwise going with my birth year. What year are you born, 95? 94. Okay, I'll go 9.4 then, Robert Quinn. Uh, and again, this is extraordinarily high. I don't think Nick, neither of us had a game all year that we were at nine. I don't even know if we had an eight yet this season. So this is either going to be a tremendous one where you look back and like, yes, like we were confident things worked out exactly as we thought, or we're going to delete this podcast episode from existence. Uh, if the, the on, would you guys have a Giants game at week two? (sighs) I would have to go back to my notes, but I don't. I don't think I had it above an eight because of. Uh, yeah, I'm... you were Danny Dimes had you scared. No, well, it's just the fourth quarter. I'm like, man, yeah, whole we're... quarter to beat the the Lions. Uh, yeah, it couldn't have been. I mean, but when you think high. about it, they only needed one quarter to beat the Lions. True, very true. I, yeah, I can't pinpoint to exactly where I had that, but I I was pretty skeptical of this the entire the entire game how it played out but obviously it worked out for the bears i'm gonna find out real quick and i'll give you an answer there will as i look it up will do you have any final thoughts for our for us this game no just uh really hope that this uh push can keep going continue those positive trends and like i said this is a game where you can perhaps take some shots i mentioned specifically on the defensive side there are some scenarios you can kind of put yourself in and get some really valuable reps where you know, you're going to have a much different situation with guys like Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and Aaron Rodgers as your people the next week. So you can get some good live reps against guys like Chenault, Shark, uh, and uh, Keenan Cole as well. So I think this is a good chance to get those opportunities in and uh, really work on some stuff that you would like to do in kind of a kitchen sink game, as uh, I know Bill Simmons likes to say. Uh, it's the kitchen sink game next week. Uh, so work on some of those things this week. 
By the way, it was a seven is what I had in my notes. So there you go. And I don't. I think I've been hired since then. I'd have to double check. But Nick, how about you? As we wrap up, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think just the Bears need to take care of business, and we all think that's going to happen. And they'll get a good indication like how much this game means the Saturday before the game because the Cardinals will be playing the 49ers. So obviously Bears fans are going to be keying in on that. We all know Cardinals need to lose a game here, and the Bears win out. They're in. And if we if we see that happen where the 49ers get that upset, man, as the players, the organization going into this game, like let's get this game out of the way, take care of business, and then face Green Bay in Week 17 to get a shot at the playoffs. So I'm just hoping that scenario plays out. So by Sunday, right before, you know, right after the game on Saturday concludes, we'll know Sunday is a big game for the Bears. Take care of business and go into Week 17 feeling confident that you can beat the Green Bay Packers to get you a playoff spot. I'll tell you one thing now. If the Cardinals lose on Saturday and the Bears still come out flatter than a pancake, we got problems because there should be no reason to come out flat with a playoff spot on the line with it in your own control. And if they do come out with anything other than a complete sense of domination and urgency, boy, are we going to have a very frank conversation, you and I, when I it's all like said and done. I feel like we say that, though. I feel like we say that many times with this, with this franchise. How does Green Bay happen then? If that's, if that's what we're going to talk about. I mean, and it happens multiple times. I mean, even go back to when the Bears were good in 2018. They came out flat against New York, uh, the mm-hmm. Giants, and that cost them a first-round bye. So it, this is not the first time we've talked about this. No, it's not, and it's a problem. And the fact that I'm even fearful that it could be a reality where they have yet again a chance. I mean, well, they started 5-1, and one, and we're talking about <laughs> having to claw into a seventh seed that shouldn't even exist. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I, I just think that is something that has to be brought up when we're really evaluating this front office, this coaching staff when it comes to this offseason, because it, it is an issue, and it's not just a Pagano issue. It's not just a Nagy issue. It's not just a pace issue. This is from the top down. This team has come out flat in some of its biggest moments. Yep, and again, if it happens, and again, unfortunately, we have to throw that out there. We got to continue some of these very candid conversations of the mentality of this team and the heart of it in that, what, that passion, that self-pride uh, that we hear oh so much about uh, coming out of Hallis Hall. But I don't have anything further to add than we haven't discussed. The Bears, they should be able to win this game. They're, the, again, t- they're more talented. They have a lot more to play for. They could have a tremendous amount to play for, as Nick said, if Saturday pans out uh, in our favor. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Nick, real quick, I forgot to ask. Imagine the bear season coming to a close here. It's Christmas. Is there a gift that you would like to unwrap when it's all said and done from the Bears this year? Would it be going into the playoffs, or do you have anything uh, Christmassy that uh, I'm trying to come up with on the fly that's better than mine? Yeah, no, just thinking about gifts for, for this 2020 season involving the Bears, like Darnell Mooney is an absolute gift. Like this is a guy when we were saying when he got drafted, like I know I said, well, you shouldn't expect too much from him in this first year. We see how much time it gets to get acclimated to Matt Nagy's offense and things of that nature. But man, he has provided such a, a, a spark there at opposite of Allen Robinson and everything that he does. And I just love watching him play and, you know, I spoke to his offensive coordinator earlier in that summer. He's like, he's a complete wide receiver. And, you know, initially when he got drafted, I'm like, he's he's a deep threat. Well, he definitely is a complete wide receiver. We've seen that unfold, but he's been an absolute gift for this Bears offense. 
He truly has. If I'm looking on defense, I think Brent Urban's a, a great one to point to as another gift. Again, not the biggest name, not the biggest contributor, but in his role, he plays very, very well, very effective. And I believe during the franchise, uh, say the franchise defense last year, I was clamoring to bring him back because of what he did in the limited capacity this time a year ago. And I'm glad to see him evolving, growing, and being a bigger part of this defense. Obviously, if Eddie Goldman was here this year, that may have shifted a bit. But with that, with his absence and that extra opportunity, he's made the most of it, uh, which has been very exciting, at least for me to watch. And Will, I'll let you go ahead and kick uh wrap things up yet again, wrapping up within a wrapping up. Any yeah. gifts that you've seen or that you have enjoyed? I'm not sure if I'm going to mess up uh, pronouncing this, but Sam Mustafer, I think it completely changes the com- the complexion of how the Bears move forward with addressing their offensive line next season. I think that the Bears have enough confidence in him, and I think we've seen enough out of him that he can be a viable center for us in this interior. You think about, and you think about what it's done with Cody Whitehair moving to guard. And I think we can finally say that the experiment at center is over. And I think that's best for the Bears. And I think that's best for Cody Whitehair. Just his emergence, I think, changes so much. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at a tackle in the draft uh, of some sort, and you're really going to start stabilizing that line as opposed to earlier in the year where, like, I don't know where you start. I mean, we have to have Cody Whitehair and James Daniels out of necessity. But I don't know what to do with the uh, with with anything. But now with his emergence, it just completely changes everything. So that's it. Really the, does. I think that's the biggest gift. Yeah. Honestly, I'm kicking myself in the rear right now for not saying that one first. I'll just say that I, I knew you were going to say it. I didn't want to steal it from you. But that's a tremendous one, uh, as you mentioned as well. Uh, so really great job there. But I believe that does it for this preview episode. I want to thank everyone uh, who's here watching live, watching the replay, or of course, if you're listening to the podcast, whether it's on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, after the fact, I hope you have a great holiday, uh, whichever one you do celebrate or have celebrated, uh, whatever point that may be, just uh, wishing you and your family the best here as we kind of wrap up 2020, as we all look forward to what 2021 has in store for all of us. Uh, In the meantime, if you haven't yet, a great Christmas gift for us would be, if you haven't, rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. We're at 620, I believe 622. Again, every time we reach a century mark, so we're at 78 or so away, we do send a free Bears jersey. I'm sure there are 78 of you listening right now that haven't reviewed us. So it's a great motivation to do so. And when you review, you enter yourself for a chance to win a Bears jersey of your choice. We buy it right from the Bears store, send it straight to you. And it's a really fun way of uh, that Nick and I have continued to always say thank you throughout the years for uh, you helping us out because those reviews help us reach more Bears fans like it, like you, as well as as we look at 2021 potential sponsorships, uh, those do demonstrate uh, our audience as well. So on Sunday here on YouTube, we'll see you all for the game reaction, the play-by-play. And for those podcast listeners, we'll be back for another episode as soon as that final whistle blows. But until then, have a Merry Christmas and bear down, Chicago. Bear down.